Welcome to Faith Bible College International's podcast, where we share spirit-filled preaching, teaching, and encouragement. For everyone living to make a world of difference in their life and the lives around them with the good news of Jesus Christ. Job chapter 1 verse 21 doesn't seem like a text we ought to be reading with all of these victorious worship songs, messages, announcements, duo as a trio, this invisible Samson was here, and... But Job chapter 1, verse 21, I've got some scriptures to cover. I don't even know really what this is going to look like, but as I told you at the beginning of the semester, when I come here, I'm not really interested in preaching a sermon as I am just what's God saying. And uh, I, 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 the way I illustrate it is when I come here with you, uh, you know, there, there's some meals you get the fancy plates and silverware and cups and glasses. Then there's, then there's those times you just get the number two red cup and a paper plate. Because you're not there for the, you're not there for the, for the stuff. You're there for the food, right? All right, 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 right. And so let's just see what God has to feed us tonight. Job chapter one, verse twenty-one. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight on. The Gospel of Job versus the Gospel of Jesus. The Gospel of Job versus the Gospel of Jesus. I can feel it. You got depressed just reading it. So I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I pray tonight that God, again, we're not here for a program. We're not here for protocol. Lord, we're here to hear what you're saying. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. You can be seated. Because honestly, what I believe God has told me to share with you, I fought him on it. I don't know why I would. But then I realized that what God is going to say to you is far greater than what I'll make an attempt to say. But I will start with this. If you can if you can stick with me, I think I can get to this. What you believe about God is the most important part of your ministry. I'm just going to start with that slow and build off it. Like Ken built here, I'll build here. What you believe about God is the most important part of your ministry. Whether you can sing or not, whether you can administrate or not, whether you can speak or not, whether you can care or not, if you can counsel or not, teach or not, is really irrelevant in light of what you believe about God is the most important thing about your ministry. And so just rushing into it, not understanding what you believe, going through the motions will prove to be futile. But if you believe, what you, if what you believe about God is accurate, then there's no limit to your ministry. But whatever area of God that you're inaccurate about in your belief, that area of your ministry will never prosper. If you were to see, if you're here, and I believe there's a lot of alumni. Let's welcome all the alumni tonight. There's a lot of them here. We love you guys. But those of you that have graduated, those of you that are in ministry watching online, may I say this to you? If you want your ministry to grow, you must first start with what you believe. Because you will never have from God what you don't believe for God. 
You will never see God do what you don't believe God can do. And so when we go to Job chapter 1 verse 21, we are introduced to Job and everybody knows Job as a man of problems. You want to talk about a bad week. All of his livestock is stolen, his employees are killed, and his house caves in on his family other than his wife. And immediately Job did what many people do in the natural. They think God's behind this problem. If a tree falls on your parents' car, the insurance company will pay the claim. They'll call it an act of God. It is amazing in our culture how quickly people attribute tragedy to God. And if you and I don't know how to deal with the inaccurate tragedy mindset of our culture connecting it to God, then that will be an area that your ministry will cap out and it will never go any further. I think it's interesting as I begin to ask God why I would share this with you. He reminded me of 9-11. You know, tomorrow's the day that we remember 20 years ago when two planes in New York City killed thousands of people. Another plane out in the field in Pennsylvania. The amazing after effects of that. And the questions that everybody was asking, where is God? Why did God allow this? Now we're looking at a pandemic again, right? We've got COVID on the mind. We've got COVID everywhere. Then we have governments that are taking advantage of the opportunity to pull our rights from us and polarize the culture. And people want to know why, why would God do this or why would God allow this? I'll remind you again, ladies and gentlemen, what you believe about God is the most important part of your ministry. And I believe that this very issue is one that we're going to have to contend for the very most in these last days. Because there is not only a worldly mindset that connects everything evil to God, there has now become a church mindset amongst some ministries that are going ahead and backing that, saying that God killed your mother, that God gives you cancer and God takes your money are you all okay and if there's ever been a text that has given more screwy doctrine to the body of Christ it's Job chapter 1 verse 21 we say it at funerals we sing it at sad moments people quote it people look to it for comfort I never I'm going to be very offensive to some people tonight if you have gathered your gospel of Job from Job chapter 1 verse 21 to confront aggressively and I don't think that we have an issue with that this year I have felt it in years past but I want to aggressively attack this issue tonight because it's hard to fault Job because he didn't have any Bible to go to it's hard to come down on I'm not here to criticize Job Job didn't have a Bible college to go to Job didn't have any blogs to read Job didn't have any podcasts to listen to you have availability to everything out there but all he did was the best he could do but if you read what he reads what he writes in Job chapter 1 verse 21 you will create the dumbest of theolo theologies that have ever been created Praise. 
And if you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and kick the legs out of that thought that God, that God takes away and God makes us sick and God makes us hurt and God makes us broke by going to Job chapter 42, verse 3. You're just going to go to Job 42 and verse 3 to get this, and it's coming, and it says this. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. In other words, Job says, you remember Job chapter 1 verse 21? I didn't know what I was talking about. After I got to the end of the season, I found out it wasn't God that took it away from me. It was the devil. God is still good. God is still kind. Forgive me for being so stupid. You've got to be really educated to believe that God does these things. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He who is the express image of his person. Job never saw the Father. Job never walked the streets of gold. Job never did hear the angels sing. Job never did see the throne by which he, the Father sat on. All he did was see problems and trouble and he created his own gospel. But I trust Jesus. I don't trust Job because Jesus has seen the Father. Jesus is the image of the Father. And I refute the gospel of Job and I attribute everything I believe to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what, what, what God has given you? Do you want to know what God has given you? Isaiah told us, for unto us a son is given. I broke it. <laughs> Why God? <laughs> Why would God break my microphone? Give him a hand. Give him a hand. You know who gives you cancer? You want to know who gives you COVID? Other than your roommate? You want to know? <laughs> Come on, let's be real. It ain't all the devil. It's somebody didn't wash their hands. Some of y'all are gross. Wash your hands. Cough in your arm. Knock it off. Be clean. You're gross. <laughs> you got devil's breath. Brush your teeth. No, Job never saw him, but Jesus. I like what somebody said. Jesus is God's selfie. Everything you want to know about God, don't go to Job. Go to Jesus and begin to find out that he is the son of God, 100% man, 100% God. And whatever Jesus says, I believe way over what Job ever said. Look at this. Who bears better witness of the father, Job or Jesus? Job chapter 2 verse 6, look, the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. Listen, God did not hand Job over to the devil. If you listen to some people preach, you would think that God took Job and out of his care and said, okay, here you go, devil, do anything you want to with him. God never put Job into the devil's hand 
It was the devil that tracked Job down. For 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. God gave us a good earth, but Adam messed it up because he believed the lies of the enemy. God saves Job's life. God restored Job's life. The devil tried to destroy Job's life. Job 42, verse 5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. If you're not careful, you can listen to so much garbage, and if you listen to the garbage long enough, that it will begin to infiltrate what you believe. You've got to listen to faith. You've got to listen to the anointing. You've got to listen to people who believe that God is good and that God is alive. If you fill your heart with this Job gospel, if you fill your heart with God doesn't heal and God doesn't save, I don't even want to even read any book from any man who would say that God God doesn't give the gifts of the Spirit anymore. Why? Because that's Job's gospel, and it tells me that God is limited. I want to feed on everything that's full of the living Word of God. Give me something that's Spirit-filled. Give me something that comes from heaven. Look at James 1.17. Every good gift. Somebody say good gift. Every perfect gift is from above. He comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. How many have ever been given something good? How many of you have a good family? That's God. How many of you came from a good church? That's God. How many of you are good looking? That's God. Amen. How many are looking for somebody looking good? Amen. That'll be God. Job lost it all. Just hang in there. I'm almost done. Job lost everything. And our temptation is when we go through lost to say, God, why? God is not a fickle, emotional, distant dictator whom you might get on his good side in one day and his bad. He's not like your mean father. He's not like your abusive parent. And he's not like an absent parent. He's a God who's faithful. Romans chapter 11, verse 29. God's gifts and God's calls are under full warranty. Never canceled, never rescinded. Amen. If he's ever done it before, he can do it again. If he's ever been good, he is still good. He doesn't cancel his promises and he doesn't cancel his call. John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Not one of those characteristics are the characteristics of Christ. Humans are slow learners, but I've come to tell you that Jesus is still good. God gives us healing. God gives us strength. God gives us hope. God gives us purpose. God gives us the Holy Ghost. God gives us victory. God gives us everything back that the enemy ever tried to steal from us. And if you were to be honest about it, the average Christian believes more in karma than they do Christ. I'm going to be confrontational. I'm going to kick that thing in the behind out of this college if it's here. I'm going to tell you what Jesus does take away. He takes away poverty. He takes away depression. He takes away worry. He takes away fear. He takes away anger. He takes away your past. He takes away hell. He takes away backsliding. He takes away division. He takes away hurt. He takes away COVID. He takes away cancer. He takes it away. He never gave it, but he redeems it, and he gives us joy and Speakable and full of glory. 
Come on, somebody give God thanks for what he does take away. Yes, he takes away my past. <laughs> and amen. May I say it one more time. What you believe about God is the most important part of your ministry. That's why Pentecostal churches are the fastest growing churches on the planet. Maybe not in North America, but on the planet. That's what's happening. Why? Because we believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he didn't take away the gifts. He's giving out the gifts. So my question is, are you going to believe the gospel of Job, which is pretty cool for the new millennials, and some hippie old preachers, or are you going to believe the gospel of Jesus? Job didn't die for me. Job didn't raise from the grave for me, but Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus is coming back for us, and he's still baptizing us and empowering us. So if we're going to minister this gospel in these last days, then what are we going to do with people who go through what Job went through? Because the worst thing that you can do is get up here and say that it never happens. See, this is where we need a bridge. Because some have taken the gospel of Jesus and made it so not real. And I don't even like using those words. But I know some very godly people who have been through some very terrible things. How many of you know some godly people that have been through some awful things? I know some godly people that are going through. I know people that are way more godly than other people. And they've been through unbelievable pain. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to run from those people? Are we just going to ignore them? Are we just going to build a church for people whose lives are perfect? Because that's what some people are doing. It's their brand. This is a church for people who have never been through divorce. This is a church for people who have two and a half kids. This is a church for people who drive Mercedes. This is a church for people who drive pickups. That would be close to the one I pastor. This is for the church for the people who have never had a past. This is the church of people who can say they've, you know, they, they've just lived the North American dream and they've never been through nothing. I'm going to tell you, Jesus did his best work amongst some of the people with the greatest pain. So the question that I hope you're asking is what are we going to do if we believe the gospel of Jesus is that it's the devil that gives pain and trouble and it's God that takes away pain and trouble. What's the, then where's the middle? Can I just give you one more illustration? Job loses everything and he starts creating this weird doctrine and his backslidden wife helped him. Right? Remember what his wife said? You need to curse God and die. And in the Hebrew, I read that Job said, God, you killed everybody else. You missed one. <laughs> Maybe she was the devil. I don't know. If she wasn't the devil, she was the devil's sister. I'll tell you that right now. 
whoa, guys, do what I did. Marry well. Marry well. I did very well. What I just did, well, I did very well. <laughs> Hallelujah. Job lost everything and distorted God. Got around some weird friends. But you know, there was another guy who lost everything too. His name was David. He lost his family. He lost his stuff and got surrounded with some weird friends. Right? His buddies, his buddies didn't teach him bad doctrine that they picked up off Christian television. Honestly, you guys are in a generation of people that are building their doctrine off Marvel movies and TikTok. My generation builds it off country music. Is it not, is it not strange that God has not just annihilated the whole thing? Job, Job's over here. He lost his family. He lost his stuff. David's over here. He lost his family. He lost his stuff. Job's over here. His friends are telling him he's lousy. David's over here and his friends are saying, we're going to kill you. What did David do? Well, he gives and he takes away. Blessed be his name, the Lord. You know what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 30? And David encouraged himself in the Lord. You know what David knew? David understood. I've been through some hard times and I've been through some disappointments and I know who did it. It was the devil. But I found out if the devil can take it, then God can take it back. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, thank God for David. Amen. I said, thank God for David. David understood. It was God that blessed me in the beginning. It's the devil that's trying to destroy me in the middle. But if I'll stay encouraged in the goodness of the Lord, then I'm going to fight and take it back. Come on, somebody. I've come to tell you, when you're down to your last penny and when you're down to your last hope and you're down to your last answer, I've come to tell you, encourage yourself because God's not at his last hope and God's not at his last penny. Yet to the end of you, you walk into the beginning of God and all things are possible to people who believe. The message of the gospel is, if you go through hard times, encourage yourself. God can take hard times and make all things work together for good. If you put it in his hands, he can give you back something better. How many of you have been through some setbacks? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you have, had, have experienced loss? Go ahead and raise your hand. I've been through a lot of loss. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you if you've been through loss, you're in sin. I'm not telling you if you've been through loss, you don't believe. I'm just saying if you've been through loss, I've come to tell you God can take your losses and make them pluses if you put them in his hand because God is not evil and God is not moody. God is good. Hallelujah. I said God is great. Hallelujah. I said God is faithful. How do you encourage yourself in the God who hurts you? 
do you encourage yourself in the God who takes your mom? You can't. But David understood. In the morning I will praise him. When the sun rises, I will praise him. When the sun sets, I will praise him. If the day is good, I'll praise him. If the day is bad, I will praise him. I've learned this one thing. God is good. Come on, somebody. Say it with me. God is good. Come on, somebody, one more time. God is good. And if in a moment of pressure, when you're standing in front of a family that's been through the worst, and you give in and you say, yeah, yeah, sometimes God does bad things. You will have badly misrepresented God and you will have presented the gospel of Job and there's no redemption in the gospel of Job, but there is total redemption in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand in the funeral home. Stand in the emergency room. Stand in the ashes of a house that burned down. Stand when the child is sick. Stand at the altar when somebody doesn't know what, where they're going to get their next meal. Stand in the middle of it and say, be encouraged. God can take this. Be encouraged. God's not done. Be encouraged. God is, is going to work on this situation for you. And the Bible says that when David went out, he did recover all. Amen. Are you going to sit and whine? If you are, please tell somebody you did not graduate from here. Stop projecting your defeat on people that are hurting. Stop projecting your lack of faith. Stop projecting your inability to believe. Stop projecting your unwillingness to get rooted in the word and get on your knees and say, God, help my unbelief. And then after I get to that altar, I'll come out with fire and I'll say, I'm encouraged in the Lord. Where's the devil? I'm ready to fight again. Please, please, please. Don't misrepresent God yeah. in a moment of tr crisis. Yeah. I remember last year, I was sitting in the ICU. Not last year, year before, nobody got in the ICU. I got a sick, dying person to one side. Another lady over here puking her guts out on the other side. Pain and heartache everywhere. And I said, God... Would you come into this emergency room right here? And would you take all this humanity that the enemy's trying to destroy? And would you let them know that you're still good, that you're still there? You see, people that you know have been through heartache and they're sure that God doesn't love them. You know why they think that? Because they've heard some stupid preacher. Tell them, well, you know, God wanted to plant a rose in the garden of heaven, so he took your mom. Hello. I'm not against that rose in heaven song, whatever. I'm just saying that's not your grandmother. <laughs> Come on, how many know your grandmother was big mama? She ain't no rose. She's a full-grown tree. <laughs> Some of you haven't been to enough funerals. I can tell right now. I know it's hard. And I know you can't, you just can't stand up in the midst of somebody's greatest trial and say, well, God is good. Don't be that. Stand in the midst of the trial and say, God bottles every tear. 
God feels every hurt. We have not been, we have not a high priest who has not been touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Don't tell somebody who's tormented in their mind, well, you just got to have more. Just tell them, you know, God loves you. God didn't do that to you. God didn't make you. God did not make you scared. God didn't make you abused. God didn't make you chemically imbalanced. I don't, you, you don't have to tell where it came from, but you can tell who can take it and make it something different. Stop trying to answer for God. Just tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. He loves broken people. He loves broken families. He loves broken churches. He loves broken ministries. And he loves taking them into his hand and say, watch how I can take something broken and make something beautiful. He can take ashes and make beauty out of ashes. He can take the garment of heaviness and give you the garment of praise. Come on, somebody. Do you still believe that he's the ultimate redeemer? He can take abused men and women and put them in Bible college and put a microphone in their hand and start preaching the purity of the gospel. I once was blind, but now I see. He can take Eden Kepler 10 years ago, not too afraid to even talk to you, put her, put her not only on a stage, online with a microphone, but amongst her peers. And let her stand up there with that million dollar smile and just preach God's got a purpose, God's got a plan. Take a guy like, like Evans, a million dollar smile himself, the two best smiling people in the college preach tonight. And let him get up there and preach from Kenya to Charleston, Maine. I'm telling you, there's nothing that God can't redeem. There's nobody that God can't use. There's no wreck that God can't make a miracle out of. Come on, is anybody a candidate for God to take your broken life and make something glorious and beautiful? out of him. We don't give in to the lie of the enemy and then we don't shame people. I wish everybody I prayed for got healed, but I'm going to keep praying for people. And if I pray for somebody they don't get healed, I'm not going to blame God. I'm going to encourage myself that God is still good and God, I need you to expand my faith. This is the message that heals the mentally tormented culture that we have. How can you preach to people and their minds be renewed if they are unsure of who God is? God is good. Musicians can come. You know what God did for Job, though? Job got it, though. Let's not, I've been awful hard on Job, but, you know, it's his disciples that make me mad. <laughs> Let's go to Job 42, verse 10. Look at this. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. That's Hebrew for his roommate. Indeed. The Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You know why a lot of your friends don't serve God? God's not good. Why does God let children die? Why does God do this? Why does God do that? You need to stand up and say, God didn't do that. Now some of you, I don't know if you're just totally on another planet or you say, I don't believe this. You're in the wrong school. Because if you don't get the nature of God right, you get nothing else right. God is good. He's good when you feel good. He's good when you don't. 
He's good when you get A's. He's good when you don't. <laughs> he gave him double in quantity and double in quality. 7,000 sheep became 14,000. 3,000 camels became 6,000. 500 yoke became 1,000 yoke. 500 donkeys became 1,000 donkeys. Not only did he, give he, did he give him double in quantity, he gave him double in quality. For the Bible says that he gave him children and he had the prettiest daughters in the land. Now, I'm not saying the other daughters were ugly. I thought that was a lot funnier than you did. All I can say is that God never did say that the daughters that died were the prettiest daughters in the land. <laughs> no, it's just what the Bible says. But he did say the daughters he gave him back were the prettiest daughters in the world. Quantity and quality. There's no greater joy than when you minister to a people and you walk through the valley and on the other side of the valley, you see that God gives them double in quantity and quality. God is good. Come on, say that with me. God is good. Say it with a little more. you to say it to him. God, you're good. Your God, you're good. Marasatea. God, you're good. Come on, somebody. God, you're good. I'm going to add two words to my little song. To me. Ready? God, you're good. Hello? One more time. God, you're good too. I think you ought to lift those hands and begin to thank God. Okay, now lift those hands and thank God. Come on, lift up holy hands and thank God. I've been through some losses. I'm not, I'm not talking to you about something ain't real, but I've found out that even through the losses, my God has been good to my war. Hallelujah. Come on. If you take the goodness of God out of the gospel, you've lost the goodness of the gospel. Hallelujah. Come on. Lift those voices and begin to thank God for his goodness to you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to know more about Faith Bible College International, please go to faithbci.org. And find out how you can enroll in our programs or partner with our mission. Again, thank you for listening to FBCI Podcast. Join us next time for more teaching and encouragement. Remember, you make a world of difference.